This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Schlomowitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. For this episode, we spoke to German composer Zara Nemtsov and Icelandic harpist Gunhildur Einarsdottir. In 2018, they released the piece Zima for solo harp and ensemble on the Virgo label. And the recording features Gunhildur on solo harp, ensemble adapter and the sonar string quartet. And my name is Gunnhildur Einarsdóttir and I am a harpist and I live in Berlin and uh, also in Iceland. So we've just listened to um, my piece Zimmer for eight instruments, um, a special setting. Um, Gunnhildur, do you remember how you came up with idea and when did you ask me to write this and why? I remember very well because it was... Um, I was doing a doctorate in Helsinki, uh, and it was my, it was one of my five concerts that I had to do for this doctorate. And, uh, the idea of the concert was actually, um, is coming from the setting of the Ravel, uh, septet. So it's actually pieces for harp, uh, string quartet, flute, and clarinet. And I had this idea because I had discovered in my research, I had discovered some pieces uh, by quite famous composers that are absolutely unknown in the harp world. And those were, for example, uh, the piece of Tristan Murai and a piece of uh, Wolfgang Rim and a piece of Donatoni also. I wrote Zimmer 1 to 3 in 2013 for Ensemble Adapter with uh, Gunhildur Einerstadt here. Um, on harp, harp solo part, and um, with a string quartet, um, the premiere was uh, performed uh, by Azazello Quartet from Cologne, and uh, the recording is with Berlin Sonar Quartet. Actually, the premiere with um, Azazello Quartet at that time, uh, one member was um, Wolfgang Zammerstiel, the cellist, and um, He was a dear friend as well. Uh, unfortunately, he left this world in between in 2017, way too young. Um, but he also played an important role for this piece. Also, one of the very, very first pieces um, I wrote for Adapter and when we've worked together, I think it was in 2006 or seven. Um, there was also um, Wolfgang with the cello included. Um, we had known each other for some time and he had a very special energy. Um, and I felt this I wanted to bring to the string quartet as well. So um, this was actually inspiring the setting of the string quartet with the cellist uh, being the first violin, so to speak, having the other strings around. So the cello is the center and the other 
strings are kind of creating a space or room or zimmer around him. Yeah, that, that was kind of connected to him. To me, it was a really good challenge, very interesting. Um, the setting itself and also the context with the other pieces. And um, so a challenge was also that I knew that uh, before or after um, Gunhilde would play Ravel. So, um, for instance, preparation would be difficult. And at that time, first, I was, of course, very happy to write for you again, Gunhilde. We have been collaborating for several years also at that time already and um, so I was just happy to write a new piece for you and um, the setting was a um, challenge um, and also the context and uh, a challenge in a good way as in other pieces we had developed for instance quite some interesting uh, preparation harp preparation We were always looking for new sounds together. And here in this uh, specific context with the other pieces like um, Ravel, Murai, um, of course, this was not possible because um, before or after you had to just play Ravel. And so there was no time for preparation. And um, actually, this uh, was the main thing that um, led me to the electronics in this piece to create something hybrid um, or like a electronic preparation of the harp. Um, also around that time in 2013, um, I was generally um, starting to get more interested in electronics um, and especially in analog effect devices in contrary to live electronics um, because at least at that time, now I see it a bit differently, um, I had this uh, feeling that 
live electronics often have something stiff or um, superficial. I felt like, um, you know, you see that computer on stage and it adds some glitter to the music. Um, but to me, at least, there was something missing often, something dirty, the brokenness of us human beings. Um, and yeah, somehow I felt that with analog effect devices, um, there was something yeah more dirty again, uh, more alive, something unpredictable. Um, and to me, it was just more interesting. And uh, somehow I came across um, a DJ device, the Chaos Pad. I like the Chaos Pad very much because um, yeah, you can do a lot of things with it. Um, it has a lot of effects. Um, you can record uh, stuff and play loops and you can you can have some samples, etc. So it's very um, it just has many opportunities how to use it and uh, you can also use it very uh, intuitively. It has a touch pad or touch screen and you play with the fingers and This is where, yeah, I thought of uh, Matthias Engler, the percussionists of um, Ensemble Adapter. And I just had this uh, vision of him playing this chaos pad and um, as, as if it was a drum pad. And actually it has also some effects that are like a drum pad, the chaos pad. It's a very engaged way of playing electronics, actually. It's, it's really a, it's a real instrument. It's not just, you know, pushing some buttons on the, or, Or triggering something in in Max, you know, it's really like uh, you really have to be quite musical and and into the piece, and and we had to rehearse a lot, you know, rhythmically to be together, and uh, so it's a it's a big part actually, the the chaos part. Matthias on the Chaos Pad, we actually used a KP3 or KP3 Plus, I think. Um, he is constantly playing with you, Gunhilde, and um, filtering, um, adding sounds to the harp. And uh, also we used uh, these different uh, options the Chaos Pad offers, um, like um, he's recording things you play and then playing back and doing things with it. And also we used the option um, that you can insert MP3s. Um, so in the ending of the piece uh, where you play many chords, actually um, quite virtuosic, uh, it's a dark ending. Um, we pre-recorded this part of the piece and then Matthias played it back through the KP3. And uh, this creates something um, special, I think, because it's not like typical 
um, electronic music because you play simultaneously with yourself, but it's not programmed. So sometimes the pre-recorded harp plays even faster and is already ahead of you or a little bit behind. So it's all like a kind of weird delay, but uh, it's also kind of made possible by the chaos pad. And it's all this, just this little compact box, this little device um, that has these uh, many different options. Actually, in this piece, the, the harp is detuned quite a lot, but it happens in the beginning of the piece. And I have to say this is a, as a very a very genius way of Sarah to include the the detuning into the piece. And like she was saying before, I mean, this is a piece that she wrote for me uh, for this very particular concert where I was playing quite many other very demanding pieces and I didn't have any time to detune the harp or, or something in between. And so she starts the piece by by including this detuning into the solo part, and uh, it's a very it's it's absolutely genius because it becomes a part of the music, and it's done so that you can always uh, use the other strings and the, what you play around to to know exactly which tuning you are going to. So when composing, I had to keep in mind all the seventeen notes. It was actually seventeen notes uh, detuned. Um, the microtonal variations, lower, higher. Um, I made a list, of course. Um, it was some chaotic scale I made up. I like these chaotic scales. And that was basically the harp setting with the detuning and retuning so that you could play Ravel before or after and uh, the harp would be fine again. And um, of course, you should be soloist. And with this being said, harp as a solo instrument, I um, thought how to approach this because um, often in a concerto setting, you have the soloist kind of on top. But here I felt I want to do it differently. Um, I want to really start from the harp, uh, to have the harp as a core of the piece, kind of, that it's inside and not outside. It's hard to explain. I didn't want to add some harp cadenza or some something like that, um, but I really wanted to have uh, the harp as a solo part and rather add some space or create some space around, rather extending the space for the harp and not just giving windows for the harp to show off. So that's how um, I came to the Zimmer idea to really have two or three rooms as in a house uh, independently and really start with the harp and don't even have a real score, but have different scores um, for the ensembles. So first I really wrote the harp and chaos pad part. It could really stand on its own. Yeah, it's a duo with a very strong harp part. And only after I wrote the other parts, Zimmer 2 for bass flute and bass clarinet and um, I thought what to do with them since I had already amplification and the effects on harp I thought what could I do with the winds um, and I decided to not also 
have effects um, on the winds because I wanted to have this this chaos pad really as a unique device for the harp, a unique preparation, so to speak, for the soloist. And I decided to have uh, flute and clarinet amplified and that they would basically most of the time play very, very soft and that the amplification would be strong. So you get all the dirt, all the air, all the sounds you usually want to hide, like to zoom into the sounds and um, have this kind of contradiction to have very soft sounds um, amplified very loud or strongly or because of the amplification you hear all the spit in the breath everything else so the sound is actually different and also they have two broken notebooks or two sets of keys like broken keys from an old computer or so and uh, these are also amplified and they play with it so um, to me on the one hand I had these um, key sounds amplified key sounds that I also connected to the actual instrumental key sounds but it was also um, kind of a joke because uh, as I mentioned before I had this rather skeptic view on live electronics and computer on stage so I thought here you have it you have just a broken computer and this broken uh, computers are there only for sound and for nothing electronic For the chaos pad, I mentioned before that uh, in general with the analog effect devices, I like the dirt, the grittiness, the um, the human. I would say I like this or I'm looking for this in general in music, the brokenness, the thing under the surface um, that is not shiny, the abyss maybe, something like this, um, the pulse, the life maybe the nightlife, I don't know. Um, and this is something that uh, I was looking for, especially with the harp, because um, the harp usually is something angel-like. Uh, you associate angels with it, something light, beautiful, pure, kind of holy. And um, When you hear Gunhilde playing, I mean, she's just such a force on the instrument. She has such a strength, such a power. And um, I love this so much about her playing. She's just getting the darkest sounds or the earth or the lava from Iceland out of her instrument. And I just don't know any other harpist playing like her. 
And I just wanted to focus on this dark side of the instrument. So I like the brokenness and the dirt, but in composing, it's actually very difficult to create this. I think you really have to plan. Otherwise, um, if you want to have something chaotic, it doesn't have this power. It's, it's too easy. So it, just falls apart or so. Um, so it's, it, it's a lot of work. And, um, as for the electronics, um, I like these machines, um, their unpredictability. In Zimmer, it's only this one device, just the chaos pad and amplification. That's all. Nothing else. It all sounds very electronic, but it's really just this one machine. And I think that's kind of funny, maybe. Indeed, you can write almost electronic music with a almost non-electronic setting. And you can also have a lot of electronics involved and write quite acoustic uh, or quite conventional music. I mean, it, it's not uh, the electronics is not a guarantee for newness or uniqueness or whatever. If I compose electronic tracks like a tape or something... Even if it's pure electronic, if I'm creating samples or just um, having some waves I'm working with, I like to layer things and I, I often like to layer several so that the layers kind of interfere or destroy or disturb each other uh, to have kind of a weird counterpoint inside. And this layering is something really interesting to me. It's uh, it's part of our world, I think. And you can see it here in the big form, in the macro form with these uh, three scores. And this is important for me for um, many years now, having different layers in my music and that uh, these parts are independent, but um, also communicating so that um, it's an encounter um, so they are like with human beings. Sometimes it can be rather aggressive, destructive, but there can be also moments of beauty as in life.
Thank you.